Welcome back to the Health in Motion podcast. I'm Alexis. And I'm Evie. And today we have a special guest with us. But before we introduce her, we are going to recap our most recent challenge. So when Dr. Tyler was on here, she challenged everyone to try a squatty potty. Um, so Evie, did you try the squatty potty? Yeah, I was actually ahead of the game. I already had one. So my sister, like as kind of a joke, had bought some of us in the family a squatty potty for Christmas years ago. Oh, and so we've funny. had one, but I really do love it. So I was happy that was a challenge because I think it's super helpful. And I'm sure that a lot of other people benefit from it. What about you? Yeah, we've actually had one for several years as well. So uh, we were all set on the squatty potty. And we actually got one for the office at work too. So we've got our organic tampons and our squatty potty. So all your personal needs are, are well taken care yes, of. Yes, Yeah. So in the episode that we talk about the menstrual cycle, you will hear that Alexis has bought uh, organic tampons for her <laughs> clients. So that's awesome. So if you don't know what we're talking about, make sure to listen to that menstrual cycle episode. Yes. All right. So we are also going to move into our breath work. We're going to do breath work that we did a few episodes ago with Terea, where she led us through alternate nasal breathing. So you're going to, uh, the easiest way to explain this is to put your hands like the hang loose and you're going to use your thumb and your pinky and you're going to alternate holding down on one nostril at a time. So if you cover up one nostril, you're then going to take a breath in through that nostril that is not covered and then you're going to breathe out through the nostril again so you breathe in and out now switch sides switch again and one more time Perfect. The reason I like that one a lot is because it's actually been proven to put us in parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest. So it's a beautiful way to be able to get yourself to calm down and relax no matter what's going on in the day and super easy. You can do from anywhere. Today's guest is a mom, wife, trainer, and nutrition coach who has certifications from precision nutrition, pre and postnatal training, and more. She's also a badass at powerlifting and has competed in multiple meets and loves supporting her clients with all their training and nutrition needs. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here. So Michelle, can you give us some background of, on yourself and how you got to where you are? Sure. Um, I have been a trainer for the last 11 years or so, going on 12. And I have done just about every group fitness format that you can imagine through the years. Um, I primarily started with group fitness and moved into personal training. And through the years, I just always felt like something was missing. Mm -hmm. um, and I started to really think about this after my kids were born and you know, Evie, you and I have talked about this. That was when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's yeah. and was experiencing hypothyroid issues and just was never feeling better after my training. But I was somebody I've trained my entire life. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been in the gym since I was 12 years old, lifting and running and doing, you know, group classes, like I said, every format. So after my kids were born, and I was experiencing these symptoms, I would just leave every workout feeling more drained. I was doing a lot of like boot camp type mm -hmm. of classes at the time and just felt really unsatisfied. And around that time, I started seeing things pop up on my radar, 
you know, with women lifting and just feeling very intrigued by it. Okay. Um, and I had always lifted dumbbells in the gym, but I remember, you know, looking down. I went to Miami University for college, and I remember they had the way that their rec center was set up. They had an upstairs and a downstairs, and all the cardio equipment was upstairs, mm-hmm. and all the, you know, the yeah. weight room was downstairs. Yep. And I would, like, look on, like, longingly for years. So it's, you know, it's kind of like a spark that then grew into a flame once I had kids. And was in this place where I'm like, I just want to feel better, yeah. you know, and I wanted to feel better about myself physically. Everything that I had ever done to that point was all focused on shrinking myself and getting smaller and losing the baby weight and, you know, thinking that that was magically going to make me feel better about myself. So anyway, really long story short, I finally just one day was you know, tired of, of telling myself that I couldn't do this or wondering and being curious about it. And so I just started doing it and I fell in love. And it was the first time that I had ever trained with the intention of making myself stronger yeah. rather than smaller. Yeah. And so it just, you know, it kind of went from there. And yeah, there's been no looking back since. <laughs> That's amazing. Did How did you decide to just go for it? Like, I, because we've talked about this in mm-hmm. the past and even, you know, not recording, just how intimidating that can be for a right. lot of women. Right, so right. what was it that you started doing on your own? And how did you even know what to do? Yeah. So for me, I mean, I, I do think that I had it a little bit easier because I always worked in gyms. Yeah. <laughs> so I had access to the equipment, sure. you know, being a trainer and, um, you know, obviously having the knowledge of biomechanics and, you know, things like, you know, what I needed to do for to have proper form. Right. So for me, it was a little bit easier, but just research, you okay. know, like reading a lot of books mm-hmm. and yeah. asking, picking a lot of people's brains yeah. and working yeah. with coaches and things like that myself. Um, you know, I always say coaches need coaches too. Yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> Did you ever feel like, because I even find myself doing this today, mm-hmm. even though I have a lot of knowledge on this, but right. I even sometimes look at what other people are doing and I'm like, oh, maybe that's something that I can do. Oh, absolutely. Or like, yeah. oh, maybe I'll incorporate that into my next workout or right, something. Because right. I think that's what a lot of people do when they're starting out too, is when they go to a gym and they see other people, right. whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Because sometimes it can be something that we don't want to replicate, right? but it is still really helpful to at least expose yourself to that. So I like that you mentioned that right. you were you were watching other people, you absolutely. were learning from other people because you don't have to do this by yourself and everyone else at some point was a beginner too right and and this touches on something that's really important and what I think sets something like powerlifting or training you know the power lifts in general I'm not going to say that everybody has to you know compete in a powerlifting meet which I know we'll talk a little bit more about what that entails and what that might look like if you are interested Um, but just training with those lifts themselves, they're very technique oriented and driven. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you bring up the point of watching other people or reading books, Mm -hmm. you know, or watching people's um, demonstrations on Instagram, you know, wherever you're getting your information from, it, you know, makes the training about something else. It gives you another reason why your training and you're starting to think about it from the context of how can I get better at this lift versus oh, I've got to go train today because I've got to burn X number of calories mm-hmm. yes. or do yeah. X, Y, and Z. Exactly. You know, so yes. I really like that because it encourages you to learn more and it gets you to buy in a little bit more to, yeah. to I the love, training itself. 
I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of people do view it as like, all right, I'm just going to go like I have to hit this many calories a day or I have to get these many steps. And if you have a true reason for doing it, like you want to get stronger or you want to improve your form or maybe there's a physique goal you're working on. So you're Mm -hmm. doing more bodybuilding type stuff like that's what's going to keep you going back each time. Right. So when you were feeling sick, you had your Mm -hmm. new diagnosis of Hashimoto's, you started training. What are some of the changes that you noticed when you made that shift from instead of just going and doing, you know, cardio to burn calories so I can lose baby fat? Right. What did what was that shift like for you? And what did you notice when you switched to that type of training? Right. It was like my entire body took a sigh of relief. Really? Because I think for... The first time, you know, I was, like I said, I was doing a lot of interval type training, Mm -hmm. higher intensity, not realizing at the time. I mean, as a trainer and a coach, I knew inherently that the body needs more recovery, right? But I think that we think we're somehow immune to this Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, (laughs) The 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 rules don't apply to us. (laughs) Any sort of practitioner is so bad about following our own rules. Right. It's so bad. Right. So at the time, I'm not sleeping. Mm -hmm. I am, my, you know, levels are not regulated yet. We're still trying to figure out where I was, should have been. Um, I wasn't eating enough carbohydrates or food in general. Yeah. And then throw that into the mix that I'm doing these interval style workouts, you know, 45 seconds on and 15 seconds off for like an hour, which is not interval training. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's what I was doing at the time, right? And not understanding why I felt like crap. So when I transitioned to lifting, it became more of a... um, you know, a proper programming split, like something that I would put one of my clients on, whether or not they're doing power lifting, right? I just, it's stuff that I was already doing for other people that I just had not done for myself. Interesting. As, okay. You know, it was almost yeah. like a, like a self-care type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think I just felt better because I was, you know, I went from training five to six days a week and feeling like I was spinning my wheels and also like not putting out probably the effort that I should have been mm-hmm. right. Because if I were truly going to be doing interval training, I should have probably done it once or twice a week, but like really gone all out. Yeah. But instead I'm kind of like, you know, doing it halfway five or six times a week, spinning my wheels. So when I went on a proper strength program and I'm training three to four days a week and I'm doing that style of lifting, you know, I just, I felt so much better. My cardio at the time became walks. You know, I started to prioritize the food because I knew it would make me stronger. So I mm-hmm. think it all just kind of went together and it, it just helped me to feel better overall. Yeah. So it's like you had this whole revelation of this Correct. is what training could actually be. And right. this is what feeling good could actually mean for right. me, especially right. being postpartum. Right. And like I said, it's all stuff that I knew and that I was helping other people to do, but it was making that connection for myself and, you know, having the confidence because I think that's one of the big things that keeps women out of the weight room is that lack of confidence, feeling like they belong there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, not being immune to that even as a, as a coach and, and, and just finally, you know, putting that past me. I love that you made that point because I think sometimes that's the assumption is like coaches or PTs right. or whoever that, oh, it's just natural to go into the weight room and maybe we don't fully understand that fear. But even as a coach, right. you had that fear or that feeling of like, maybe I don't belong there. Right. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Right. And, you know, that's, I think, where 
I always joke that with my clients that I'm the people's coach because mm-hmm. <laughs> you name it, I've been through it. Sure. I've been there, you know, yeah. whether that's an injury or a mindset or needing to lose weight or wanting to get stronger and feeling inferior because I can't lift X amount of weight. Like I've been through all of that stuff mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And you know, coming from, like I said, I've been a trainer for a long time, but I was also doing group fitness mm-hmm. the entire time that I was, I've, I've been doing group fitness longer than I was even a trainer. And, um, I think as women, we get stuck in that cycle, right. Yeah. You know, where I was doing a lot of the group fitness classes because I thought that's where I belonged. And yeah. Or like that's comfortable or you don't have to pro like you don't, you just follow what they tell you. And that is easy for a lot of people. They don't want to have to add another thing to their list of exactly. Oh, what am I going to work out today? Or what are, what am I going to do? If it's programmed for you, you have to go in there. And a lot of people that I talk to are like, I just want to get my butt kicked for 45 minutes and that's it. And I also love that you brought up the concept of feeling like you like women, mm-hmm. we feel like we are supposed to be smaller. Right. We're not allowed to take up space right. in whatever capacity right. that is. So what was that like for you to go from this mindset of cardio, lose weight, mm-hmm. cardio, lose weight to I'm actually going to eat better and right. maybe more and right. also, um, you know, try and get stronger, which might mm-hmm. actually mean that I might get bigger in some mm-hmm. way. So what was that like for you in terms of mindset? I will say that it was a very gradual process and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's perfect or that I've got it all figured Mm -hmm. out or that I don't still struggle. You know, I, I am human and I still have those moments where I don't like necessarily what I see in the mirror. Um, but in general, I think that because I started to feel more confident in one area of my life, it's one of those things where it starts to bleed over into other areas and, so I realized if I can do this thing that I was afraid of, like what else can I do? And once again, it comes back to getting more information. I think like being continually curious and not just accepting where you are mm-hmm. is a big key. You know, um, I was not satisfied. So I did what I always did, whether it be researching for a client or somebody else or myself. I started delving in more to nutrition. That's when I got my nutrition certification. That's when I started learning more about performance nutrition and specifically, you know, what would help to fuel my workouts better. Mm -hmm. Working with coaches to learn from them, picking their brains, people who were smarter than me. And um, so it was a gradual process, I would say, you know, as like step by step, like each kind of layer, right? Like I would start doing a little bit more and a little bit more. And it looked different through the years. Um, But as I started to get more into the the like strength side of things. It's also like the content you start consuming becomes different. Mm -hmm. And so the people I wanted to follow and learn from all looked a certain way. So it became more normal to see bodies that looked like mine. Yes. I was not looking at the Fitzbo Mm -hmm. models for their 10 minute burpee workouts and things like that (laughs) anymore. And so it became a little bit easier to feel confident because I was like, wow, I I was seeing myself reflected in other people, which I think also really helps us to build that confidence. Yes. Um, Yeah. And just, you know, nothing beats that feeling of like PRing and like Mm -hmm. hitting a weight that you've never been able to hit before. And so to realize how like food helped me do that and how getting stronger in my muscles helped me do that yeah you know it's 
it's, it's all just kind of been over time, I guess, that, that I've started to enjoy that process more. Yeah. And I think too, you're speaking our language right now Mm -hmm. of getting hungry for more information. Like Alexis and I are very much that way personally, but also Mm -hmm. professionally. And we try and tell our clients and teach them to be that way too, of if you're not satisfied in one area of your life, then do something about it. And very much like whether that means you let it go and it's just not for you anymore, Mm -hmm. or you got to learn more about it and double down. And so I love that you brought that up and also brought up how getting confident in that one area of your life trickle down into other ones. Cause that's important too. Sometimes we just need that. We just need to break the seal when it comes to that, of finding something that we finally feel good at. Right. And then everything else is like, you know what, if I can conquer this and if I can make this change, then I can do it in this other area of my life too. And I think that's so important. And that's why we love this in terms of exercise right. and lifting weights because right. it is very empowering. Right. There's times where I'm like, oh man, I could totally, like I wouldn't be able to do that years ago. But now right. because I've stuck with this, I feel Absolutely. so much more capable in my body. Right. Yeah. right, because it's not working out. It's yeah. training. It's, mm-hmm. you know, again, focusing on the, on the technique, you yes. know, and yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I heard a quote one time and then I kind of live by this that, um, action is the antidote to anxiety. And so to your point about doing something, if you're not happy with your situation in any context, you know, just do something that's yeah. going to propel you forward. Yeah. I love that. And Alexis made the great point in our strength training for women episode that this correlates to everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, right. She she gave the example that her son is getting heavier by the yeah, day and he's right. growing up and she's got two big dogs Absolutely. and carrying their food in. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's important too. It's not just about like, it's not about taking the selfie in the gym and sh- or, right. you know, the video of how much you can lift. It's what can you actually do day to day that you feel confident in and that you, you don't, you don't need support in, or, you know, that you can handle by yourself. Right. So that's a big thing for us too. Right. Yeah. My, I listened to that episode and I was smiling. My son is almost eight years old. Oh yeah. And you know, he's almost 60 pounds yeah. and we joke, I'm like, well, I just have to keep getting stronger because you keep getting bigger yeah. and I need to be able to carry you until you're like 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but Aww. my kids are super, I mean, that's the other thing too, is that as a mom, I'm so proud of what I've built and what I've done. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's, I think, played a huge piece in my self-confidence because they will say things like, oh, can we come train with you? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mom, your muscles look so big. Or like, you know, yeah. do, how do my muscles look? Aww, and yeah. it's so cool that that's what their relationship with me is and what they think of when they look at me and talk to me, you know, they're not going to have the memories of me being afraid to take off my cover up on the beach yes, or, you know, complaining about the size of my thighs. They're going to be, you know, celebrating like that their mom was, you know, was strong. And I think that's so cool. I love that. That is (laughs) cool. That That is really cool. And I do want to touch on too, because I know it's important and it comes up a lot, especially if I have female clients who want to get into powerlifting is they worry about getting bigger and bulking Mm -hmm. up. I know you touched on that in the strength training episode. I've never once seen somebody, you know, get bulkier unless they really wanted to. Yes. (laughs) You have to, it does not happen by accident. Right. Um, and, and honestly, you know, with, with powerlifting, my body has only gotten sleeker and, you know, more firm and, 
muscular. So mm-hmm. I, I would just encourage people not to let that be the thing that holds you back. Because, you know, while the scale might not change a whole lot, if you start lifting uh, to get stronger and building muscle, you're also going to look way different in your skin and in your clothes. So Yeah. And that's body recomposition. Absolutely. Right. right. So right. can you explain what that is for a lot of people who might just be depending on the scale? Right. So with my clients, um, you know, especially if they're working with me in a nutrition context or if we're doing strength training, we will... You know, I always, I talk to a lot of people about like using multiple forms of measurements. The scale is not always the best indicator of change, especially if you do and t- like take on a new strength training program where you might be putting on muscle. Um, you might be losing body fat, but the scale is not going to reflect that. Yeah. You know, it's a, kind of a net negative. But if you're also taking photos of yourself, yes. And measurements of yourself, yep. you know, or, or using clothing that's fitted, something you can start to see some of those body composition changes as you replace that fat with muscle. Yep, exactly. Um, and so I always encourage people to use multiple forms of measurements or, you know, um, I've shown them pictures of myself at two very different points in my life at the exact same weight, how different you can look. Yes. You know, the the the, you know, everybody I'm sure has seen like the, you know, the pound of fat versus what a pound of muscle looks like. And so that's body recomposition. And that's one of my favorite things. That's like a light bulb moment Mm -hmm. for clients Mm -hmm. is when they come to me and they say that they want to lose 10 pounds or they have to be X number on the scale because that's what they weighed in high school. Like the last time that they felt really good about themselves. And of course you meet people where they are. And I understand that, you know, there's definitely been times when I have also had those kinds of goals and I've had to like reel myself back like, Michelle, it's not even possible for you to get down to that based on the amount of muscle you've built. Like, so just like let it go. But, you know, you meet them where they're at and you start doing things like taking pictures and measurements and if they want to use the scale, of course, and, you know, helping guide them. And then this beautiful thing happens like four to six weeks in where they're like, you know, I've only lost three pounds, but my clothes fit so much mm-hmm. differently. Or I noticed this little muscle mm-hmm. in my arm that's never been there before. And then they start getting excited. And that's my opportunity to be like, cool, well, we can keep this going. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you don't lose another pound. Like, I'm going to support you if that's your goal, because I want to support your goals. But if you just want to love the way you look, I got you. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. can help you with that and we can have a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, like I'm smiling right now and you can probably hear it in my voice because a lot of my clients have had this moment and we've had this conversation and I get so excited. I'm like, you know, yeah, exactly. So. And so talk about talk about what it looks like to work with you. So, yeah. you know, do you only program powerlifting? Like what does that look like and what kind of nutrition stuff sure. do you guys do? Yeah. So I actually, I, I do work with some powerlifters, but I actually have a wide variety of clients. I have, you know, everyone from teenage athletes who are using me in their off seasons to get stronger mm-hmm. um, to people who are studying for, or um, I'm sorry, training for their military, you know, wow. physical preparedness tests yeah. to elderly people in their 80s and 90s, you know, who otherwise are not doing anything like, you know, um, in their houses. So I work with people remotely. Okay. um, Meaning that I do programming and coaching online. 
I work with people one-on-one and do individualized programming. So if you work with me, what that's going to look like is we're going to start with an assessment, which I can do virtually. Um, I want to see how you move before I start programming for you. You know, we go through all the goals and things like that. And then I can do all of your programming so that it's delivered to you in an app. You have all your video demonstrations, all your cues from me based on what I saw in your assessment. Um, I watch your videos for form checks, give you feedback, do check-ins and things like that. Um, so that's that's where the bulk of my clients are right now. Um, I do have some people who do one-on-one virtual coaching, you know, with who want that one-on-one time accountability and things like that. More similar to what you would do if you booked a trainer in a gym. So mm-hmm. it's like a live session. A live session. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that, cool. um, not as many. Most of my people are remote. Um, so that's the majority of, of who I work with. And then from a nutrition perspective, I work, you know, there's a lot of people from busy moms and dads who are just trying to get healthier um, to complement their training. I have athletes that I work with who are training for, you know, their Ironmans or marathons or powerlifting meets, you name it, you know, to people who have different goals like losing weight and things like that as well and health goals. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So if you were interested in that, reach out to Michelle. Sounds like she's a wonderful fit for a lot of people who are listening to this. So yeah. Yeah. I will say it's funny because, you know, so I had done in-person coaching for a long time and I had done, you know, remote coaching for people for a while as well. Um, but what I think that it I've really learned from this space is that it's it's more challenging, I think, initially to coach people remotely because you mm-hmm. have to build that relationship with people and they have to trust you. I can't just throw something into their program and, you know, expect them to know why they're doing it, what they're doing this for. Um, so one of the things that I've really enjoyed being able to do is figure out a system that allows me to tailor things to people as individuals, but also like build that relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's what people are really missing in the online space specifically. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to connect with people, I want to be able to teach them why they're doing what they're doing. And it's going to build that curiosity, it's going to, you know, get them to understand why they're doing what they're doing and why it's important, you know? And so I think that's been something that's been really fun for me in this past year is that's only grown with, you know, COVID and gyms being shut down and things like that is getting to work with more people and, you know, learn myself too, right? Like learning how to communicate with different types of clients Mm -hmm. and, open those doors up. Because if you work in a facility, you're kind of limited to whoever work walks in those doors. Yes. In this space, I can serve a variety of people and, you know, help them, which only helps me to get better as a coach too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, just based on the things that I know about you from talking to you, and then also I'm in your Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So seeing a lot of things you post, you really do cater to a lot of people. And it's, and it's never something that like, is super specific in the sense of like, oh, if I don't do that, then I'm going to fail. It's very much like, hey, here's a here's a modification or here's a way that you can incorporate this into your life or into your meal. Right. So I really like that. So I think you're really good at providing really great information to multiple different types of people, which is really important. And also you put a lot of care and effort into your video demonstrations and all of that. So if you do work with Michelle, you're going to be getting a lot if and I might even say more 
um, detailed right. work than if you're working with someone right. at like a big box gym for 30 minutes a week. That's that's also been really nice. And to the the point of helping people to get stronger specifically, you know, if you were meeting somebody in person one hour a week, you you have no idea what they're doing the rest of the mm-hmm. week, right? But I can yeah. write their program. So I know what they're doing five yes. days a week. I know what their macros are. You know, with a lot of people, I'll do a macro-based approach if it's appropriate for them. Um, I know what they're eating and, you know, and so it does give me a lot more um, overall control and, and, and getting to see their, them within the context. Like I know how they're sleeping, how they're recovering, where I need to pull back and adjust and things like that. So yeah, that, that is a big benefit for sure. Yeah. And do you work with people who maybe only work out at home? who yes. don't have access to a gym. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's part of the the initial intake when I'll do someone's assessment is I have some people who want to train at a gym. I have some people who, you know, have a really nice home gym. I have some people who have literally just bands and, yeah. you know, a backpack that we stuff with books. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I never want the equipment to be the thing that holds someone back. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, you can get stronger, you know, just about any way you slice it if you just you know, keep progressing and right. (laughs) Absolutely. So you've talked about what training looks like Mm -hmm. for people to work with you, but what does, what does your training and nutrition look like right now? Do you have any goals that you're working on at the moment? Yeah. So I just did a mock meet, um, which if you're not as familiar with powerlifting, I'll give a, like a very brief rundown of what powerlifting is. Um, so a powerlifting meet, you have three attempts, it's a strength sport. You have three attempts to lift the maximum amount of weight in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. There are judges to make sure that you execute certain standards and depth on the squat, for example, um, timing on bench. And it's a, you know, it's a sport where you're really competing against yourself because it's your personal best. So you have three chances to put up the most amount of weight in each of those lifts. Um, but you are separated by weight class. So, you know, if you are competing in a larger sense, so to speak, it's against people who are of similar, you know, sizes and, you know, strength ranges as you. Um, so I just, at this point, I didn't feel comfortable doing a meet in person. You know, that's just where I was, but I wanted to program and train like I was going to compete at a meet. So I just did that in January And, um, so now I'm in what's called the off season and I think it's really important for power lifters. And it's certainly something that I do for the power lifters that I program for is I will, I think we always need to be working in our weaknesses because you're never going to get better at the squat, the bench, the deadlift, the main things that we all want to do, the really glamorous flashy things that Mm -hmm. we want to put on Instagram if we're not also like prioritizing our single leg work oh, and I, our core strength. <laughs> I was like, I was like, she's probably going to talk about single leg work because yeah. I hate that. Yeah. But yeah. I will say I've noticed a huge difference right. in oh, my yeah. lifts right. by doing those consistently. Right. And I hate them, but right. it right. really does pay off. Right. Oh, Every yeah. power lifter hates them. And yeah, like <laughs> I will get like, you know, nasty messages. Like, why did you program this for me? Like, I'm sorry, but like you need it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I know, I yeah. know that they're terrible. Um, so right now that, that I'm in the off season, I'm in a hypertrophy style program. So I'm, you know, doing lighter weights for higher reps. 
Um, typically the powerlifting cycle will look like a, a nice long hypertrophy phase where you're, you know, getting acclimated in that way. You're lifting more reps, um, with lighter loads, and then you'll progress into a strength block where the reps start to go down, the weights start to get heavier, and then you go move into peaking where, you know, it might only be, you know, a couple of reps, but they're pretty close to your one rep max. So, you know, I'm as far out from that now you know, as you can be. So I'm yeah, working in a lot of the stuff that I don't like to do, you know, yeah, a lot of single yeah. leg work, a lot of core work, um, conditioning. I think it's important to be able for power lifters to be able to, you know, have the energy to sustain a meet. You mm-hmm. have to have some cardiovascular capacity. Yeah. So whether that's doing things like, you know, uh, step ups or like, bo- like I'll do a lot of like bodybuilding style finishers, but like for time, you know, so I'm getting in a lot more volume and I'm getting my heart rate up or I'm doing like kettlebell swings mm-hmm. or things like that as well. So, yeah, I love like upper lower splits. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. So right now that's what I'm doing, but I might move into like full body if I need more frequency with a particular lift. Bench has always been my nemesis. Okay. Um, and that's the thing I need. I've, I've recognized that my body does the best with most, like doing it most frequently. So as I get closer to competing, I would probably bump that up to three to four times a week doing that lift. Okay. So how many days a week are you lifting now? Right now I'm lifting four. Okay. Yeah. So I'm doing an upper lower split. And then, like I said, outside of that, just a little bit of conditioning and trying to, you know, do my mobility work, which again, just because we, I prescribe it. And again, all my clients are laughing because I'll give them their like 10 minute daily mobility stuff. (laughs) But it's just as hard for me to do as it is for you. I promise. Yeah. Um, You know, doing that kind of stuff and a lot of walking, like walking is my jam. It's my meditation. Mm-hmm. It's my podcast times. Like when yep, I listen to you I'm guys and other things, yeah. like that's my mental health. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Do you program your own stuff now? Cause I know you said coaches need <laughs> yeah. coaches. So are you programming for yourself right now? And then yeah. when do you, when yeah. would you bring on a coach for yourself? Yeah. So I actually rarely program for myself because, you know, it's so easy to be like, well, I don't feel like doing rear foot elevate elevated split squats today. Like that's stupid. Um, and I actually am right now programming for myself, which is a departure. Yeah. So normally I would, you know, I would work with either an app or a coach um, and have them do all of my programming, whether it was like in or off season. But yeah, right now I'm doing my own programming and uh, and I am enjoying it because I'm, I'm trying to treat myself like a client. Like I put myself in the app. I hold myself to the same standards I would hold mm-hmm. somebody else to. Like I record what weights I've done and things like that so that I know where to go next week. And mm-hmm. I'm still recording video of myself because I think that that's another thing when you're training by yourself. I think it's one of my favorite tips is even if you're not working with a coach, film yourself mm-hmm. doing the exercise. Yeah. Because you might think that you're doing one thing and you're really not. Or, you know, you can start to see if you're learning about something and you're learning what a squat should look like. And then you can film yours and see where yours is maybe lacking. It's going to allow you the autonomy to get better over your own training and realize, okay, here's what I need to do. Yeah. You know, and so I do you know, that for myself as well. Like I'll watch all my lifts and yeah. So many times I've done that and I go to a gym that I don't like to be filming myself just Mm -hmm. because there's all like people walk by and I feel weird, like Mm -hmm. having them in my video, but I, you know, I try and limit it, but I will say that 
I'll get done with like a squat and I'm like, Ooh, that was good. And then I watch the video and I'm like, Oh, okay. So right. we've got some stuff right. to work right. on or like, For sure. I was like, I'll screenshot something and send it to Alexis. Like, Hey, how's my form here? Or like, Hey, can you check this out? Or I'll send it to Danny. Like, hey, Oh, guess what weight I got today. And right. it's so important just to self audit yourself in that Absolutely. way for injury prevention. And right. also just, it's good to be that humble of like, Oh, this isn't looking as good as I thought. Right. And and on the flip side, it helps. And I've had a lot of clients who have pointed this out as well. If I tell someone that I want them to work to a certain RPE, which is the rate of perceived exertion, just, you know, kind of a scale that can be used to determine, you know, where you are in terms of intensity. So like on a scale of one to 10, if I tell someone to be around an eight, that means that you should probably have around two reps left in the tank. Like if you had to, mm-hmm. they might be challenging, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, that's about where you should be. So I'll give somebody like some guidelines of where they should be. And let's say I'm doing that for myself, where sometimes you just get under that bar and it just feels heavy no matter what. It can be mm-hmm. an empty bar and you're like, yeah. oh, this feels like an RP8 right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and then if you're watching videos of yourself, you're like, well, that moved a lot faster yes. than it felt like it did. Yeah. So it helps you to be honest with yourself and the other way too, yep. where you can, you know, be like, Oh, I can actually really do more. Yeah. yeah. Danny does yeah. that to me. I'm like, Oh, it was so heavy today. I got five and I'll show him the video. And he's like, you had three more. And I'm like, yeah. no way. Yeah. Not yeah. in the moment I didn't. Yeah. So yeah, that's so important. <laughs> so what does nutrition look like for you then mm-hmm. since, and is that yeah. different from when you're in like peak week or in training? So what does that look like? Yes. Yeah, so that's a great question. So I am uh, personally working with a nutrition coach right now, she specializes in power lifters and nice. weightlifters oh, and, cool. and strength athletes. So we are really honing in on pre and post-workout nutrition with me, um, which is something that I've, you know, always paid attention to. But again, I think that there's always tweaks that you can make and things that you can be learning. She's, you know, somebody that I want to learn from. Yeah. So I look at that as an opportunity to do so. Um, so we're really honing in on pre and post-workout nutrition, which off season is, you know, maybe not as important, you know, as right before a meet when you really want everything dialed in as precisely as possible. But I think that for me, it's almost a better time to really focus in on nutrition because I'm not as stressed out by everything else. You know, it's a lower stress period. I can kind of play around with things a little bit more like, well, actually, I feel better with, you know, this carb beforehand versus this yeah you know whereas when you're that close it's kind of like to a meet it's kind of like when race like people who are going to do a uh like a marathon get close and you're like don't change anything right yeah, now mm-hmm. like whether it's superstition or yeah. like how your gut's gonna handle it but you don't want to make any changes yeah right. so i'm being a little bit more experimental um I'm kind of in this spot right now where I'm between weight classes. Okay. And so, you know, just pulling back the curtain on like where I am mentally, you know, I'm kind of trying to decide, do I want to try to cut to work down, you know, to the weight class that I've been in so far? Or do I want to allow my strength to continue to build to see where I am in this weight class and what I'm capable of, you know, because again, in a strength sport, Mm -hmm obviously the more muscle you have, the stronger you're going to be. So she's really awesome with that because we're still able to monitor my body composition. So even if we do decide that maybe I need to put on a little bit of weight or stay where I am, you know, we can still be working on my body composition and like leaning out a little bit and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Nice. So 
you brought this up the carbs before and after. Yeah. So what yeah. are your favorite carbs before or after workouts? Oh yeah. So great question. Um, before workouts. So I tend to eat my breakfast around like nine and I tend to have more of like, I'll have like eggs and like sweet potatoes, maybe like a, you know, a piece of sausage or bacon mm-hmm. and like some, you know, vegetables. Um, or like I love hashes. So I'll do like yeah. a sweet potato and ground beef hash with like an egg on top with some spinach in there. Um, and then right before training, I might have, um, you know, a scoop of protein and like a banana, like half a banana or some cyclic de- dextrin, you know, like a quick digesting carb. And then afterwards, I tend to do my lunch. So I'll have like rice with chicken, Mm -hmm. you know, something um, or a sweet potato and chicken, like a lot of leftovers. But yeah, one thing to pay attention to to here and for my clients, they hear me talk about all the time is we want to put most of our carbs around that workout, right? right? And so you, you know, you're doing that too. But mm-hmm. one thing that I love that you're talking about is you're eating like real food, right? Right. Like right. I think people associate like the powerlifting or those types of strength right. sports of like, I'm just, it's more of like, if it fits my macros and right. I'm just going to eat whatever right. and have cereal for every meal and you're having real food and right. that has to be contributing to your progress and your success right. that you've had too. Right. And just right. because you're trying to get stronger, you need to eat more for that, but right. you're eating more of real natural food, which right. is important. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that if you pay attention to that, you're just going to feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yes, you could have a donut beforehand because you could utilize those carbohydrates, but you might feel crappy. And yeah. I, I'm not going to enjoy the way that I feel the next day right. necessarily. You know, it might not impact my training so much in that moment, but it might affect the next day's training. Yeah. And it's going to definitely affect how I feel about myself and... You know, so yeah, I think that, you know, playing around with, with different sources is good, but also really paying attention to the quality too. Yeah. So you talked about your favorite food, but I want to ask one more question about sure. your training. What's your favorite lift for powerlifting? Oh, uh, the deadlift. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Um, anybody who knows me knows that that's my favorite. There is just nothing quite as satisfying as ripping a heavy weight off of the floor. Um, I've already touched on how, you know, I really get in my head with bench, Mm -hmm. you know, every power lifter, you know, your levers, like your limb length and torso tends to be advantageous for one or two of the lifts, but not all three. So every power lifter has like one lift that they're really well suited for. And then like, one that they just kind of make work and then like one they're really good at yeah you know at least for the most part like they're obviously the freaks who are like awesome at all three right and people you you still have to work with what you've got Mm -hmm. you know so it's a good lesson in overcoming you know adversity and working on things that we suck at too but um yeah for as much as like you know, I struggle with bench or, you know, squat is very technique driven. And I've, I've definitely come to love it more as I've gotten better at the technique. But deadlift has just always been the one that like, I just have fun. Like when it gets to deadlift time, because that's the last lift at a meet squats, I'm always so nervous. That's mm-hmm. the first one. It's the first yeah. one. You're like, everybody is watching you. Like yeah. you can see, you know, you're trying to zone out and like, not pay yeah, attention but to, but the you're crowd. facing everybody. <laughs> and then bench, I'm like, I just got to get through this because I know this is going to suck. Yeah. And then I get to deadlift. I'm like, okay, now I can have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I love that. that. Yeah. So I know we've talked a lot about just kind of general training and powerlifting. And in the beginning, yeah. we mentioned that you do have some pre-postnatal certifications. I do. Yeah. So I just want to touch on a little bit because I see so much of this in like the local moms groups. And then obviously Tyler works uh, with me mm-hmm. and... 
so we get these folks after they've had a baby mm-hmm. and, you know, they're saying, okay, I want to get back to working out. And unfortunately, a lot of OBs just say, right, go back to what you were doing before. <laughs> go back to what you were doing, yeah. um, which we know is not good. Right. So I want you to talk a little bit about postnatal and just like sure. general, what what recommendations do you make to yeah. your clients on when, when and how right. they should return to activity? Right. Um, so I'll work with someone and this is, you know, it comes up a lot. Like Mm -hmm. you said, I will always have someone get their clearance from their OB first, you know, make sure that the bleeding is stopped and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I will encourage women to start with breathing. Yeah. Because that gets so impacted by childbirth. So I will tell people, you know, listen, I'm not going to start working with you until you get clearance from your OB. Mm -hmm. However, if you want to do something, here's what I would start doing, you know, because the baby can be napping and you can lay down and hit some 90-90 breathing or, you know, work on some diaphragmatic breathing, crocodile breathing, whatever. Um, So I'll typically start people there and then... You know, I will do an assessment with people. I do think it's really important to know where your abdominal separation mm-hmm. is and at, to be having an open conversation with them about their pelvic floor health. Mm-hmm. Are you leaking right now? Are you having pain and things like that? And then going from there, you know, I really think it's important to just rebuild and retrain that core stability. Mm-hmm. So focusing a lot of that stuff at first, Yeah, you know, um, and, you know, then progressing from there to eventually adding load. But sure. I will encourage people to take it slower than they think that they might need to. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. a lot of my clients will, especially if they were runners or oh, power yeah. lifters yeah. or CrossFitters mm-hmm. before, right. they want to go right back to doing that. Yeah. And so I have to, you know have them be doing like the dead bugs and the glute mm-hmm. bridges yeah. and the single leg work, right. you know, a lot of like the body weight, like single leg deadlifts and stuff like that, that a pallet presses, like things that will get yeah. them to the point where they can then functionally do those movements right. again. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, where we'll start. Mm-hmm. And then I, I really believe that everybody is so different yes. and their symptoms are so you know, where they experience their symptoms are so different. Yeah. And so then it's like, it's, it's, building that confidence I want you to be able to focus on what you can do Mm -hmm. versus what you cannot so let's say jump roping doesn't feel great for you right now and deadlifting Mm -hmm. but maybe goblet squats yeah and single leg deadlifts feel Mm -hmm. great you know so it's like progressing in that way and then starting to build more um, confidence over time yeah I think that we just have this misconstrued idea of postpartum from this like six week thing like I don't know where that six week thing comes from like yeah you know at six weeks you can you start to feel better right a lot of times that's when the bleeding stops that's when you really start to kind of be able to walk comfortably around your neighborhood that sort of thing but like I personally had a pretty uneventful delivery Mm -hmm. and I still didn't even think about getting under a barbell for three months right and then I still consider myself recovering for almost a year absolutely right right yeah I I, with my son, and this was what, again, because our experiences, I think, tend to shape, mm-hmm. you know, what we do and where I was wanting to learn more is I felt so terrible after my son was born. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point I had already had a pre and postnatal certification. So I'm like, oh, it's been six weeks. I went back to work mm-hmm. and I'm teaching classes and training clients on the floor six or seven weeks postpartum and not understanding I'm like well I don't understand like I did all the stuff I'm supposed to but I still don't feel great yeah and I don't think that I felt you know like myself until 
nine months. And that was with three months of working with a pelvic floor physical therapist. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, wow, this is really important. It's really important. And I think I, th- I have a lot of people who, you know, like I know Tyler touched on this too, mm-hmm. that are athletes who, or who just for whatever reason experience pelvic floor issues mm-hmm. that are not yeah, related to childbirth. Of course. So I'm not negating the importance of that at all. Right. And I have a lot of those people as well that I will help. But with that particular population, you're just already so vulnerable mm-hmm. with where you are emotionally yes. and physically and hormonally. Yes. And to not feel like yourself on top of that and yeah. then be told like that at six weeks. Right. You should be able to go to the stroller boot camp. Right. It, it's 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 really frustrating. It's it's unrealistic, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's completely unrealistic. And I think, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, other things we've talked about, right? Like Our nutrition probably isn't as great because we're trying to take care of a new baby. Like, I feel like people take that out. You are now in charge of this, keeping this little tiny human alive, right? Right. So like I breastfed my son. So every three, two, three hours back to nursing again. So that was, it's hard to eat healthy. It's hard to stay on top of your food. It's hard to sleep because the baby's not sleeping. So Mm -hmm. all these other things we've talked about that are important in recovery are also compromised in that time. Right. So I just, I guess the point is like, Ladies, if you've had a baby, like give yourself some grace. And right. Give yourself that like year mark right. to get back to what you want to be doing, not six weeks. That six right. week mark is crap. Right. For some, it's so much faster and for yeah. some, it's so much longer. Yeah. You know, and if you were somebody who really loved lifting, you know, this again, I, I come into this conversation a lot with people who had done things like CrossFit or powerlifting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not as you know, jazzed about doing kettlebell deadlifts as they were barbell deadlifts or snatches and things like that, you know, but it's, it's kind of finding kind of going all the way back to the beginning with making it more about training than it is about just working out to shrink yourself or to get smaller, to get your pre-baby body back, whatever that means, because Mm -hmm. it's not like, you're not the same person. Like, you know, um, you've grown another you, human, you've and grown another them. human, like, yeah. yeah, whether or not you fit into the same genes, like it's kind of a moot point yeah. because you're not the same person. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's finding that, that why that making it about getting better and, and, and connecting that conversation in your head with, you know what, I'm doing this right now because this is where I am right now. Yeah. And these kettlebell deadlifts are going to ultimately get me back to the thing that I love to do that makes me feel like me. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that you said that because we, I think as a culture, as women, we just want to get to the final, the finish line and it's going to take those baby steps or maybe going back a little bit to perfect those movements so that when you do get back to the finish line, because you will eventually, you'll reach Mm -hmm. that goal. I mean, you want to do it in the right way and without injury and making sure your body's equipped for it and mentally you're equipped for it. Because I think just listening to you all and you know, I don't have a kid, so I didn't go through that, but I can just imagine the pressure and like the mental load that it is to feel at six weeks, like, man, I just want to get back to what it was to be me. But then also being in conflict of like, well, what does it mean to be Mm -hmm. me right now? Cause now I have a baby to take care of and and feeling like this race to get back to that, but also realizing that that part of you can take a back seat right Right. now. So, and I think in my case, it was compounded by the fact that I was going back to work in an industry where unfortunately trainers, it's, and coaches, you know, everybody's looking at you for physical Mm -hmm. inspiration. Right. And to, you know, have to put on Lululemon and tank tops every day when you feel like that was, 
it's uh it was a challenging time <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm yeah. sure yeah that is i mean it's true i mean a lot of people do look to trainers in that but that's why i love talking to people like you right. and you sending giving out this message to people because coaches are allowed to have coaches coaches are allowed to go right, through these right, things absolutely. too and i share that with my clients like i'm definitely not where i would love to be right mm-hmm. now but i'm sharing my progress and my process with them right. to share like hey i go through this too right and that's okay right i couldn't agree more it's it makes you more human as a coach and i think mm-hmm. it just makes us better coaches yeah, yeah. you know so. because we've got the knowledge and we are taking steps to better their, ourselves if we thought that we knew it all or that we were the epitome of, you know, whatever physical or, you know, educational status we wanted to be, right? Like, yeah, they probably wouldn't want to work with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's always going to be a thing that yeah. we want to Absolutely. get to. Like, right. you're, the things you're working on now probably aren't going to be the things you're working on a year from now, but there's going to be new things. Yeah. Like, right. That's right. just being human and enjoying the process and not always feeling like I'll be happy when I get to this thing. Right. Um, And I think that was a lot of my postpartum experience was like, okay, I can't look at this as like, I'm going to be happy once I can lift what I could lift before I got pregnant. Right. Instead, I was like, I'm happy that he just napped for 20 minutes so I could move my body. And I'm happy. It's like appreciating those things and then giving myself some grace to be like, I'm figuring this out. And, you know, Evie and I have talked about like your schedule is going to change depending on what's going on with work and the baby. And and that's all okay. Like you don't have to create this perfect schedule and this perfect routine and then stick to that forever. Right. It's just not realistic. So, you know, I know you mentioned meeting clients where you are. I think that's so important. I'm big on that. Right. You know, my practice of just not telling people what their goals should be or what they need to do, but figuring out what they want and meeting them there. But you have to do that for yourself as well. Right. Yeah. And I'll tell people again, another one of my taglines with people is something, not nothing. You know, if people are like, hey, I don't have an hour to train today. Should I just push this to tomorrow? No. Like take what time you do have and do what you can today because there's always going to be something that comes up. Yeah. You know, I would much rather you if you're not feeling you're 100% or you don't have the time, do a set or two. Mm-hmm. Do something to move your body that's mm-hmm. going to get you into that physical space. Yeah. And you're going to feel better. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah. We love we love talking and interacting with people like you who were, you know, walking the talk and also <laughs> such a good inspiration to people and to women, particularly who are interested in getting stronger or um, just learning more about exercise in general. So you're a wealth of knowledge. And so we hope that people gained a lot from this episode. We end our chat. We end our episodes with a health challenge of the week. So Michelle, do you have a health challenge for the listeners? I do. I think it would be only appropriate after this conversation, if you explored something in your life that you wanted to get stronger at. Um, So maybe right now you are currently the person who's working out to burn a certain number of calories per day. Maybe you shift your focus to how many push-ups can I do? Or can I do a chin-up? Or can I walk into that weight room and actually like get over myself and realize that people aren't really paying attention to what (laughs) I'm doing? (laughs) Um, You know, something that is not focused on shrinking yourself down, something that is helping you to grow. Maybe it's that you want to focus on um, what can I eat this week that is going to make me feel better? Mm -hmm. Something that is going to make you feel stronger. What is that? And can you challenge yourself to stick to that for a couple of weeks and see how it serves you? 
Yeah, I love that. I'm thinking already, what am I going to do? So Michelle, where can people find you like on social media, yeah. website? You can find me at Michelle G. Mason, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E G Mason, M-A-S-O-N. MichelleGmason.com is my website and I am always available and love to chat with people. So hit me up. Thank you everybody for listening. We hope that you learned a lot from this episode and please reach out to Michelle for any questions and also tag us in what you're doing for the health challenge of the week. So I am at holistically restored on Instagram and I am at absolute kinetics PT. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.